Amen. Tonight's not going to be like a deep teaching or anything. We're just going to talk about the love of God. Just how much He loves you. One of the greatest things that you need to understand is that God loves you. You. Now I remember one day, um, I think it was Julius Megan said, put your arms around yourself. And then you say, and you close your eyes and you say, God loves me. I tell you, that's a big thing, man. God loves you. So many times when we listen to this, it's a, it's a theory of, okay, a God loves the world or whatever. No, no, no. God loves you. And you've listened, you heard that message that I preached. God lost his breath over you. God loves you. He is content with you. He's satisfied with you. Amen. And sometimes when, when things don't go well, or when things do go very well, and you're very tempted to think, you know, that I act as in my own works and whatever, I want to just say, this is God's word. God loves you as a person. Amen. God loves you. First John chapter 4, verse 9. It says, uh, let's read from verse 8. It says, He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. So here John comes with a very simple, like a mathematical equation thing. And he comes to this conclusion. He says, He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. So what was he actually saying? He was saying that the love of God is such a powerful force that when you can see and understand the love of God, it will influence your life to the point that you will love others. Now the focus here is not to love others. The focus here is the effect of God's love and how great His love is. He comes, He says, if you don't love one another, and, and the definition of love here is to see people the way Jesus sees them. Amen. If you love your brother as God loved us, how did God love us? By not dealing with us according to our sins. By not dealing with us according to our flesh. Hallelujah. So when we don't deal with people according to the flesh, in other words, you're a Jew, you're a Gentile, you can be blessed, you cannot be blessed because you have not obeyed and you have obeyed. I mean, you have not seen the love of God for you. Amen. God's love for you is that He dealt with you on the basis of the sacrifice. Amen. And you can give people cars, you can give them uh, homes, you can give them money, you can do everything without even loving them. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13. That you can give people so much stuff and not love them. You can even give your body to be burnt and not have love. What love is, is to function from the platform that Christ's perfection has been given to every man. Now you can give somebody a, 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 a car, but you, you, you think that if I do this thing, then he'll better shape up. You have not walked in love. You can give him nothing, not a cent, but deal with him on the basis of the sacrifice and his innocence because of what Christ has done and you're walking in the love of God. So here he says, he that does not have love doesn't know God. Okay. And that is very easy to say. And I can say that now. If you've got a judgmental condemnation mindset, in that area where you walk in that you have not known, that word known means experienced. You have not had the experiential knowledge of God not condemning you. God just loving you. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Right. It says, In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Amen. Now what does he say here? He say, he's actually, he talks about two things. He wants people to walk in love. But in this, he explains the love of God. I want to say this. God loves you so much. He loves your family so much. He loves your neighbor so much that he said that in one sacrifice, I removed their sins. That is the love of God. Now he says, if you walk in love, how will you walk in love? How will you love your neighbor? By living from that platform towards them. You know, let, let me tell you this. If, if I look at um, people that I know or that I meet with on a daily basis or whatever, there are some people that can really irritate you. And you can really irritate some other people. I know you don't think that, but you think it's just strange behavior they've got or something. But you're just irritating them. And that is the way it is. But do you know that you can love somebody and that person can be frustrating? They can frustrate you. And you love them with a perfect love. When Jesus said to the Pharisees, you snakes, you brood of vipers, do you think he didn't love them? Of course he loved them. He loved them as much as he loved his disciples. Because the foundation from where he said that they were snakes or brood of vipers was actually saying, you don't understand grace. He was dealing with them on the foundation of God's love for them. Which is that you cannot be justified by your works, but you're justified by what I'm doing for you. That is loving people. When you really love somebody, you deal with him on the basis of what Christ has done. The Bible says, Herein is the love of God manifested, that He gave His Son as the sacrifice for our sins. So if we walk in love, what do we walk in as pertaining to other people? We walk, um, we walk in the light of Jesus removed their sins. Amen. Hallelujah. Now then it goes on, it says, If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. So this, this, is, this is the way I understand the word ought. Now I'm an Afrikaans guy, you know, so this is the way I think of this. <laughs> if I take petrol and I throw it over this chair, okay, and then I bring a match and I strike a match and I stand over here, I think the chair is still safe. But if I throw it on the chair, it ought to burn. Amen. Why? Because everything has been made, everything that I've used, that I've applied, has been designed, it has been engineered to burn. I mean, we get, we, we get guys with very big degrees, uh, engineers and whatever, chemical engineers, and they, they go and they take oil and they make petrol so that it can burn very easily. And all the engineering put together, it's not your job to engineer the thing to burn. It's not for you to get the stuff to burn. What he says is, if you take a fire and you take, or if, if you take petrol and you take a fire and you put it together, you're going to get an explosion. And that's what he's saying here. 
If you understand the love of God, His love will ignite your life into the very same thing that you are beholding. That's what He's saying there. Loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor. And if I think of Zambia and going to Zambia, what makes me want to go there? What made you give money towards going to Zambia? I mean, it is simply the revelation that God declared them innocent in the Lamb of God and they are simply ignorant of this. Amen. So this mess, that empowers you to do something. So you can give without love. You can live without love. Love is not to try and be pure in your heart. Yeah? Have a true good motive. There are many people, you know, the motive is... Uh, 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 um, yeah, and I, I remember my, my dad used to joke with me, he said to me, Jy so stout, ek gaan jou vader, gaan ek jou in een streepsak gooi, ne? gaan ek jou in die boom ophang, gaan ek jou met lippe gooi. So jy kan zoet word. I never did it. You know? But you know, somebody can actually do such a thing and be very, I mean, the motive of his heart is the future of his child that he will never go to jail. But he's not loving his child. That's not love. So the motive of the heart, thinking, well, my motive is pure. I don't want to, I will myself before the only. This is really all about him. No, no, that is not what is called love. Love is to walk in the revelation of what Christ has done for the other person. That's why we know that God loves us. For He's got one reference, which is what is done for us. Now He says here, He that knows not God will not love. So we need to know God. Now let's go to Jeremiah 9 and talk about knowing God. Knowing God. Jeremiah 9 and verse 23. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glory glory in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord, listen to this, which exercise loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, says the Lord. So he says, he, 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 he says, let not the mighty man say, look how powerful I am. Let not the rich man say, look how rich I am. But let him that want to say something, want a glory, glory in this, that he knows me and understands me. And now God explains who he is and what he wants you to know. Remember what he says, he that does not know God will not love. So we need to know God in order for us to walk in love. How do we know God? He says, let him that says he knows me say this, that I know the Lord and I understand him, that he, that the Lord exercises loving kindness. So if you say that you know God, you cannot just say anything about God. God says, let the man that says he knows me say this, I know God, I understand God. And I have found that He's a God that exercises loving kindness. Judgment and righteousness in the earth and that He delights in doing that. Amen. 
So, what, is, what, what does God say? He says, clearly, to you, if you make your study in the Word of God, you come, you make your study, you say, oh God, thank you that I can make my study, thank you that I can just see your unconditional love, I can see your goodness, I can see your mercy, and this is the wonderful thing that I see. I see that you exercise loving kindness. It's not that you meditate and ponder about and, and teach others to exercise loving kindness and then you'll be kind to them if they are kind. No, no, no. What it says is, God exercises loving kindness. That word exercise, go and study it out, it means to make known in the wildest and broadest manner. That's what it means. So if you've experienced God, this is the conclusion, that God makes known in the wildest and broadest manner His loving kindness. Now he says, the Bible says, that him that want to say something, say, I know God. This is who He is. Before you will ever be able to love, you have to come to the revelation of God loving you by, by doing what? Having this knowledge that God makes known to you in the wildest and broadest manner His love. And the wildest and broadest manner is this, that He was willing to take you a sinner even before you confessed sin, even before you stopped your sin, even before you did anything like that. He took all your sin, put it upon a cross, and there He burnt it up in His wrath in the body of His Son so that you can stand innocent and blameless before God. And then... By doing that, he says, you qualify now for my kind of quality life. And I give it to you for free. If you want it, here it is. There's nothing that separates you. That's the loving kindness of God. If you want to say something about God, listen, you are not allowed to say about God. You're not allowed. God has not given you the power God has not given you the authority. You're using your own power, your own authority. If you say, God's going to judge South Africa with some hard times, with some difficult things that you go through and all that. Amen? You cannot say that. That is not what God has come to do. <laughs> okay, so the only thing you can say about God, the only thing that you can you allowed to say is that He's a God that exercises loving kindness. You cannot say God is judging the world by some hard time. The only words you can use about judgment is to say that God judges the world, God made a decision about the world and decided that they are innocent. It's the only judgment you can say. You're not allowed to say any other judgment. Amen. God loves people. God has come and He's judged the world in Christ. And declared in Christ that their sins has been removed. The only judgment that's left is to, to see, have you, made, have you received this love or have you not received this love? You need to receive this and this will give birth to a new life. If you want to say, I know God, you must say, He's a God that exercises loving kindness. Amen. Amen. That word exercise was so powerful when I said exercise that it called the man forth to come and exercise. Amen. If you believe and speak, it shall manifest. Bless God. <laughs> Imagine. We... <laughs> 
So we, God exercises loving kindness. He finds joy in doing that. It, you know, when you exercise something, it's not when you do it once. You know, I can't say, you know, Helena and I decided we're going to exercise. And then came to the conclusion that we just went for a walk. <coughs> We're not exercising. You know, we went once and twice. And that's it, you know. <coughs> so we're not exercising. Exercise if you're willing to do that thing over and over and over. And like in worldly terms, get better and better and better at it. In the very same way, God is exercising. His loving kindness. And this is what God says, what He wants you to know. He wants you to know and understand that He exercises this, this loving kindness towards you. Amen. That's how He feels towards you. That's how He feels towards your neighbor. That's how He feels towards your friend at work. That's how He feels towards even the person that you're not friends with anymore because of bad things. That's how he feels. And when that becomes your reality, you'll find a new life. This love being born in you. But the focus is to receive this. Because the fruit of receiving this is the life of God manifesting in you. Amen. He says, I want you to know that God exercises loving kindness, ju ju justice, and judgment. Justice. I, uh, uh, Afrikaans says that I... Uh, um, Justice, I mean, thank God that He exercises justice. Imagine God does not exercise justice. Then He will just judge you according to your sins. And that will not be just. It's not just for you to be dealt with according to your sins if Jesus removed your sins. So you had to say, God is a God that's just. He will not allow anything. He will not deal with you outside of what is right. What is right? If the Lamb of God, 2,000 years ago, took away the sin of the world, what does it mean? It means the sin has been taken away. If God is a just God, what will He do? He will not deal with you outside of that parameter. Amen. And that parameter is, I've done this for you, if you can be persuaded of this and believe this, the truth of this will give birth to a new life inside you. As simple as that. That is how it works. Amen. There's no other way. That is how it works. So whenever you, you want to talk about God, whenever you want to say, I know God, How can you say, I know God, and speak curses over people? No, you don't know God. And I want to say, shame on you, you don't know God. No, no, you just don't know God. It's like taking a cell phone, and, and um, now, now it's like with Andres. Yeah, Andres also got grace. He got an iPhone. <laughs> Amen. So, so, He said to me, show me this thing. So now I take the phone, I show him. He doesn't know. Does that make him bad? No, no. Does that condemn him? No. He just doesn't know. I know. So I took it and I showed him. But you know, there was time when I didn't know. 
when somebody else came and showed me. You do this, you do this, you, this is it. There was a time when I was so deceived, I didn't even believe in Apple's products. <laughs> but somebody showed me. Amen. In the very same way. With grace and the love of God. If you, it, listen, if you don't know God, you don't know God. It doesn't mean God's angry with you that you don't know Him. Imagine you're angry with your neighbor because he doesn't know you. No, no, if he doesn't know you, and he doesn't know the love of God, what does it bring forth in your heart? A desire for him to know it. So, if you don't love your neighbor, God says, this is the problem. You have not experienced me as a God that exercises loving kindness. You don't know my loving kindness towards you. You don't know my justice, to my justice system. The Bible says he exercises righteousness. Now what does exercise righteousness mean? It means he comes and brings forth, makes righteousness known in the wildest and broadest manner. So how did God make righteousness known in the wildest and broadest manner? By qualifying every person for eternal life. By obeying on their behalf. Amen. Once you know that towards yourself and you know that towards your neighbor, it will change your life. But the focus tonight, and what I talk about, is you experiencing the loving kindness of God. Amen. You experiencing the loving kindness of God. Now there's a, a verse that I want to read. Um, need, need I have a message? Also, don't kill you now. Thanks. And you know this verse very well. Every time I read it, it just touches my heart. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. It says, wives, <clears throat> understand and support your husband in ways that shows your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So I want to hear this. He says, Christ provides leadership to the church not by domineering, but by cherishing. So, and, and I remember saying this on Facebook and some people disagreed with me, but this is, this is what I said. You cannot acknowledge Jesus as your Lord outside of acknowledging Him as your servant. For you to say, Jesus is my Lord, you need to acknowledge that He serves you with righteousness as a free gift, that He serves you with holiness that He serves you with, with cleanliness, that He serves you with His life continually, forevermore. He's not your worker, but He serves you with that. And forevermore, I'll have to say that my righteousness is what God serves me with. The holiness I have is what He serves me with. The peace I have is what He serves me with on a daily basis. The mercy I have, the Bible says it's new every morning. Every morning, He serves me with that mercy. Amen. 
Hallelujah. I want to tell you, that is, we need to get our mind into that perspective of the greatest servant ever is Jesus, is God. Hallelujah. And He came to serve the least, the sinner, the one who rejects Him. Amen. He came to serve the Jewish nation, which was such a rebellious people all the time. Even today, even today, there are so many Jewish people still rejecting Christ, but God still gives them the opportunity to receive Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. So God, the way God leads is by cherishing. Amen. If you are looking to find the leadership of Christ in your life, look how He cherishes you. This is what it says. He's a, he leads you by cherishing. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their own husbands. So we're not talking about marriage. We're talking about this, uh, the Christ and the church. He says just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, so when Christ comes and He wants to cherish you, He wants to bring forth and show forth your value. When He does that, He says, just as the church submits to that, how do you submit to somebody that cherishes you? You allow Him to do what He wants to do. That's submission. Amen. I yield, I submit myself to what you want to do. Amen. So somebody comes, he says, listen, I cherish you, I love you. What I would like to do for you is just put in uh, this, this, um, you know, this whole watering system in your garden. You just open one tap and everything just goes, shh. I want to do it for you. I love you, you're wonderful. I cherish you by, and my love, I, I give you this. What would submission be? Allowing Him. Amen. Allowing Him. We have confused submission to something where we think that we, need, we submit to suffer for Jesus by trying to obey rules and regulations. That's not submission. That's rebellion. Submission is being willing to be, to, for God to cherish you. Hallelujah. He says here, as the church submits, we need to submit. How, how, should, I mean, how should we submit to the love of God? By receiving the love of God. By receiving everything He's done for me. What has He done for me? He speaks well of me. I receive every good word that God speaks of me. Now I got this revelation. I can't be wrong, but this is just what came to my mind. Um, you know, uh, uh, the, the, this is the two sons of Zebedee or whoever uh, uh, came to, uh, the mother came to Jesus say, let my one son sit on your left hand and the other one at your right hand. Then Jesus said something awesome. He said, that's not for, my to, for me to say, but it's for my Father to decide for who that is reserved. Amen. And what did the Father decide? Who will sit there? He says, we, talking about all people, are seated with Him in heavenly places. Your man comes with, who's going to be the closest to Jesus? God says, I've reserved that place for all of you. Amen. Amen. 
this ranking system in heaven. It seems to me in heaven some are going to drive Bentley and some are going to drive Mercedes and others are going to drive a Fola. Old beaten down car, according to some teachings. Let me tell you something. The reward system doesn't work like that. We are rewarded by seeing the fruit of God. Have you ever, you, you know, what is, what is the greatest reward you can get for anything? Especially, you know, let, let me put it this way. If I am a farmer and I plant, I remember when I planted, yes, you sell your stuff and you get money. That is not the real reward. What's so rewarding for me was to see that plant grow. You see that, that little watermelon there and how it becomes bigger and it becomes bigger, becomes bigger. I mean, you, you've got 15,000 watermelons, but you know them all by name. <laughs> Every morning at five, you know, you up, the sun comes up, you walk the field. I think I was one of the best farmers there is. <clears throat> you walk in the field. I know over there, that watermelon's over there. That one's over there. I come then I say, oh, I've seen here Ronkie it from the 100 millimeter gegroeid. That's rewarding to see that. I'm not waiting for some reward in heaven. The reward is you in the presence of God. That's the reward. <laughs> there's nothing more rewarding than that. I mean, there's nothing that can be added to me anyway. The fullness of God indwells me. Like the one lady said, she says, Bertie, I wish I, wish I could be like you or Rita McPherson. <laughs> I says, why do, why, why do you say that? He says, man, you know, uh, she's the type of woman that just steps right into the throne room. I wish I could enter into the throne room of God so easily. I said, are you seeking the throne room? I said, you will never find it. Because you are the throne room. For God is seated in your heart. Now, if you are the throne room and you are seeking for the throne room, you're never going to find it. <laughs> Isn't it? Realize, you are carrying the very presence of God. Now, you know, when I say something like that, the legalistic mind wants to go, let heat the break. This is too much. But this is now where the Bible says, as uh, uh, we need to submit to Christ. We need to submit now. If he says that, what should I do? Well, I God comes, I want to serve you by declaring to you that I will live in you. Lord, I, I humble myself. Serve me. I receive your service. Amen. And this is what he says here. I like what it says here. He, he, he exercises leadership by cherishing. The only way you're going to experience God as your leader is by allowing your heart and your life to be cherished by God. Amen. It says, Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. So it talks about God went all out in His love, exactly as Christ did, did for the church. A love marked by giving and not getting. I want to tell you the love of God towards you is marked by His giving towards you. If we talk about love, if I say the word love, 
you know, uh, the love of God. What, what, what comes to your mind? What comes to the mind of the world? People watching over the web. What's coming to your mind? What comes to the mind, and what came to my mind when I heard the love of God, I thought of shortcoming, number one, because I don't love enough. No, no, no. You know, we talk about the love of God, then I feel like I'm short. We're not even talking about my love. We're talking about the love of God. Amen. It's like talking about, um, you know, the, the power station, this, this, you know, these, these nuclear power station, or, or no, what, what is this power station where they had these towers collapse here? You know? When, when I talk to you about that, do you feel a shortcoming? No. Because it's not about, do you measure up? When we talk about the love of God, it's not a message of, do you measure up? It's a message of how God loves you. That is the message of the love of God. It's the message of, how does God love you? Amen. He loves you. And was willing to show His love by cherishing you, giving towards you, blessing you with His life and His kindness and His mercy and His grace. A love marked by giving, not getting. When you hear the love of God, the first thing that should come into your mind is not giving, but getting. Because He gives. Amen. Christ's love makes the church whole. Have you ever heard on television, the time has come for the church to become whole. The time has come, God's going to heal His people. How? Christ's love makes the church whole. What will make your life whole is His love for you. His words evoke her beauty. Amen. When you hear the word of God, what word should you hear? You should hear a word that brings forth your beauty. It must bring forth your beauty. His words evokes her beauty. Everything He does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. So if you stand, if, 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 imagine now um, dressing a bride, okay? When you dress her, how do you dress her? With beautiful clothes. You don't want to go, want her to go out there with dirty clothes, stained, used, old, not looking good. You want her to look good. I remember when Eliana and I got married, you know? She got married in an off-white dress. Bottle green. Amen. Really? <laughs> Some people cried when they saw it. <laughs> I remember I really stood in front of the church. I looked at her. I thought, I never thought that my legs can shake without me shaking them. <laughs> it happened. But she was dressed so beautifully. You know? She... She doesn't like the color white, so why must she wear a white wedding dress? We're going to dress her in what she likes. And she got dressed so beautifully. You know, she had these red roses and just so pretty. And when I, I mean, you want her to be dressed beautifully. Now, when God dresses you, the way He dresses you is with words. That's how He dresses you. Now, imagine you want to dress somebody up in front of a crowd. And you want to dress them up well. 
What are you going to say? You, man, you're going to also love the son. You're going to speak well of him. And here he says that God dresses up, dresses us up in dazzling white silk. Talking about holiness and righteousness. That's how he dresses us up, by speaking those words over our lives. Radiant with holiness. So when God comes up, he says, I want to just bring this person in front of all of heaven. And I'm going to dress them up with holiness. How does he dress them up? With the innocence of the Lamb of God. That's what God says about you. That's what God speaks about you. That's how he dresses you. Amen. What a loving father. What a loving God, you know. What a loving God. Let's humble ourselves. Let's submit to the service God gives to his people. He loves you so, so much. Radiant with holiness. And that's how a husband ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. Amen. Do you think God will ever abuse you? He will never abuse you. He's not an, a, a God that's into abuse. Abuse means abnormally use. He's not going to do that to you. He's going to feed you and pamper you. <laughs> feed you and pamper you. And now link this up with a message I preached about fasting and prayer. Okay? Where the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord. Allow your heart to be pampered by God. And you, He will give you desires in your heart. I want to tell you the starting place where Christianity starts is, or, or, let's put it this way, where fruit start is at the end of Ephesians 5.23 and 24. What it means is, you're only going to see fruit once you've received this service towards you. God loves you. He's special towards you. And I want to just tell you this. God is not like, you know, marriages in this life. You know, when the lady comes to the front, all the promises, you know, hallelujah. You read all those things. You speak blessings over each other. You know, afterwards, Aubrey party, you know, I just want to thank everybody. I want to thank my wife. The most beautiful. And you just dress her up with words and whatever. You come home, you say, well, I've paid a lot for this wedding. These dishes need to be washed. Hallelujah. Bless God. You know, I want some fruit for my labor. No, 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 no. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday. Today and forevermore. And unless you are willing to work and function in the atmosphere of being pampered and cared for by God, well spoken of all the time, Christianity is not going to be for you. Because that's how it works. This is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of love. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's close our eyes. Father, thank you for your gospel. Thank you for your unconditional love. Thank you that we can experience this. As you guys are seated here, you know, as I was preaching, you know, I could just experience just that presence of God.
that presence of being loved, that place of safety. And you might be here and say, Oh Bertie, this emotion that's in my heart of being loved, I wish it could just last forever. I want to tell you today that that, that emotion has got more than enough right to be there forever. For God will never change. And God is not a man that He should lie. He speaks the truth. And God's word over you is Jesus. It's not contained in the Hebrew alphabet. It's not contained in English words. It's not contained in Afrikaans. Even your thought patterns. God's eternal word is the resurrected Christ. God's eternal word about your life is Jesus. Let's submit to His word in agreement tonight. Maybe you've come here and you've got some worries and, and stress. In the light of this love, I want to tell you that that darkness disappears. Your needs are met. Your prayers are answered. You are the blessed of God. You are righteous with His righteousness. You are holy with His holiness. You are blessed with His blessings. You are well spoken of by the Most High. Maybe some people speak bad about you. Maybe you speak bad about yourself so often. Thank God that every bad thing that you say about yourself is a lie. But the creator of heaven and earth says the truth. He speaks the truth about your life. You are the blessed. You are prosperous. You are, you are in the peace of God. His peace is your peace. People, let's just receive, let's just receive God's service to us. How He serves us. How He comes and exercises His leadership towards us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We declare that we've been washed in your blood. We accept our innocence. We accept our, your kindness. We accept your peace. We accept your joy. Hallelujah. 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 Just, just there where you are. Just experience, and I believe the Holy Spirit will help you to do that. Just innocence. Absolute innocence. When nothing you've ever done or do or are busy with is the reference about your life. Absolute innocence. Mm. Hallelujah. Just see how God clothes you with His ability. How God clothes you with that kindness. He dresses you with that by speaking it over your life. How He clothes you with, with peace for your future. For he speaks your he speaks provision. How he clothes you with health, because as you stand there, he 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 dresses you, speaking over your life, healing. Which is not a theory, but the truth manifested in the resurrected Jesus. 
And as you see God clothing you like this, know this in your mind. He's not lying. He is not lying. Maybe He's the only one that speaks the truth about you today. But it's God's truth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you've never, never, never experienced this peace this way, know that this is just the beginning of great things for you. Because this is the starting place from where, this is where our relationship with God starts. This is not what we try to achieve. This is where it starts. And then from here, His fruit manifests in us, which is effortless. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that wonderful?